Welcome to the Public Storyteller. My name is Michael Stock with Dr. Karen Neal. Karen is a professional storyteller and teaches at Florida Atlantic University. Hi, Karen. Hello, Michael. What story do you have today? Michael, here's one from a professional storyteller, Elizabeth Ellis, who is performing on Saturday in Boca Raton. When my son told me he was getting married, I was so pleased for him. My friend Kathy said, oh, you're going to be the mother of the groom. That's no fun at all. I've been the mother of the groom. All the mother of the groom gets to say is, how lovely. And I said, I am so pleased about this wedding that nothing that could happen could possibly bother me at all. And I still remember the smug look she had on her face as she walked toward my front door and turned back to say, We'll see. My son Scooter told me that he invited his sister to be his best man. I was so pleased. I couldn't believe that those two children who couldn't get across the city of Dallas in the back seat of a car together without getting into a fist fight would be close enough as adults to be in one another's weddings. I admit I actually shed a tear or two over it. But it turned out that the bride's mother was not nearly as thrilled with the idea as I was. She said things like, Whatever will I tell the people from my church? What will the neighbors think? She begged and whined and pleaded so piteously that finally Scooter rescinded the invitation. And that's how Rio became a bridesmaid. Now, I have to tell you that my daughter Rio is a great fan of hockey and NASCAR. Her husband says he's not sure she owns a dress. And her idea of formal attire is her Red Wings hockey jersey. But Rio tried to be a real good sport about the whole thing. And it turned out that stuff about being a bridesmaid had changed a lot since I was one way back in the day. It turns out that most of being a bridesmaid, the getting ready part, happens on the computer these days. But the bride's mother told us that the bride was going to be wearing yellow and that the bridesmaids would be wearing bright yellow, to which my daughter responded, oh joy, I'm going to look like a 200-pound tulip. I thought, how lovely. Rhea went off to her first fitting for bridesmaid's dress. And she came back with a smile on her face. She said, Mom, I don't know what Martha's mother was thinking about. 
Martha's dress isn't yellow. It's cream-colored, and barely that. And the bridesmaid's dresses aren't bright yellow. Martha's chosen a real sweet, tender spring yellow for us to wear. And it's beautiful fabric, Mom. A classic pattern. This is a bridesmaid's dress that I'd be happy to wear when the wedding is over. Wow. That's a lot to digest. If a bridesmaid's dress is something you would wear to a dogfight when the wedding is over, it's a great bridesmaid's dress. Rio said, you know, I think there is a problem. I said, what? She said, well, you know how when you're in a wedding, they give you a little gift as a memento to remember the experience? I said, sure, I was familiar with that custom. She said, well, Martha's mother has bought crosses on chains for all the bridesmaids to wear around their necks. I said, why is that a problem? Are they ugly? She said, well, no, as crosses go, they're nice. But I think one of the other bridesmaids is Jewish. Do you think I should tell Martha's mother that? And we put our heads together and we talked about it for quite some time. And we decided that if the situation were reversed, we'd want somebody to tell us that. So I said, yes, you're going to have to call Martha's mother and share that with her. But you know that Martha's mother is really conservative. So... When you call her to tell her this, be very, very polite. Be very, very careful about what you say. My daughter agreed that that was the best plan and hung up. About an hour later, my phone rang. It was Martha's mother. She was weeping. Immediately, I thought, oh, it doesn't sound like Rio handled this very well. The idea of being very circumspect didn't seem to work, did it? But after a while, the sobbing turned to sniffling. And then the sniffling ended with the blowing of the nose. And Martha's mother began to talk about why she was so upset. It was about another bridesmaid. It wasn't about my daughter at all. I was off the hook. The other bridesmaid had called. It was about those crosses. She had called to find out whether or not they were silver or gold. She said that 
she wanted to know because she wanted to make sure that her nose ring and her eyebrow piercings were going to match the cross. And that's how you can tell that this is not a made-up story. If I had tried really, really hard, I would never have been able to come up with something like that. I went to visit the bride's mother. We were exchanging to-do lists. She told me she had already chosen the flowers. I thought she meant colors or maybe uh, table decorations, but she threw open the door to her spare bedroom and showed me laid out on that king-size bed fake flower arrangements. I couldn't believe I cared whether or not there were fresh flowers, but I found out I cared very, very much. I said, well, I can provide music. I know a lot of musicians and I can, you tell me what you want and I can make sure you get really good music for both the reception and the ceremony. And she said, no need for that. I went by Party City and they have CDs of wedding music. And she clicked her ballpoint pen and made a note in her notebook to make a corsage of fake flowers for the boombox operator. And I said, how lovely. I found the opportunity to say how lovely many times during this situation. It's an experience I will never forget. It's living proof that on the surface, two people can be from the same race of people, the same class of people, even the same religion, and still not even begin to occupy the same worlds on this planet we inhabit. How lovely. Elizabeth Ellis with a story about being the mother to the groom. How lovely. I could just hear Elizabeth biting her tongue throughout the story. And that how lovely, you know, she's got a beautiful Texas accent. And that how lovely made me think of the Southern, uh, another Southern expression, um, uh, probably a much more popular one. Uh, bless her heart, you know. Yes. <laughs> In other words, she didn't really think it was all that lovely. And when people say bless her heart or bless his heart, they're really saying something else. And it's just such a polite, lovely way, how lovely way to to say nothing, uh, nothing unkind. And it was uh, one thing after another. If it wasn't the uh, the color of the dresses or the fake flowers or the canned music, she was a good sport. She really was. And she's also a great storyteller. That warm voice, that wonderful accent, that wonderful rhythm. This is how it's done, Michael. You mentioned at the Open she'll be in Boca Raton on Saturday. It is my thrill. I've been bringing storytellers here for 20 years. It is my thrill to bring Elizabeth to the Boca Raton Public Library. That's 400 Northwest 2nd Avenue, Saturday, April 15th at 4 p.m. And there's another event going on that weekend as well, Michael. 
on Sunday, April 16th at the same library, Boca Raton Public Library, downtown branch. We're going to have another story slam, our monthly story slam, and that's at 4 p.m. Well, thank you for bringing that story in, Karen, and everything you do for storytelling. If you'd like to tell a story for the public storyteller, contact information is at our website at wlrn.org. Click radio and the public storyteller. Dr. Karen Neal is a professional storyteller and teaches at Florida Atlantic University. My name is Michael Stock. The Public Storyteller returns next Sunday. 